Hi, and welcome to another episode of That Podcast. I'm Dave. And I'm Bo. And we have a, guest, a special guest with us again. Uh, I say again, we didn't have one last week, but um, Oliver Davies, welcome. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to it. So um, I think uh, we, we were talking recently, and it sounded like you just started a new job. That's right. Yeah. Um, last week, I started a new role as a senior software engineer at Invica, which is uh, quite interesting. So still staying within the sort of Drupal space primarily, which is where I've been uh, working most of the time. Um, but yeah, a chance to do some, some other things, I've do some symphony work as well. Uh, be quite interesting. Yeah, I think that uh, Avika has been, at least in the past, they were helping with the Symphony Live uh, UK events. I think weren't they? Yes, that's right. Yeah, they were. The, they were like almost like Sensio Labs arm in the UK for a while, weren't they? Right. So, there was some sort of affiliation there. I don't know what mm-hmm. the details were. Yeah, I believe Sensio Labs UK was one of the companies uh, that then got bought into the Infiga Group along with uh, Session Digital, ICOS, and a few others. So, uh, yeah, I know a little bit about that era, obviously, before my time, but I'm familiar with it. Yeah. And they, cool. and they, they, they used to be iBuildings UK yeah. as well before they, right. were, before they were in Vika, if, anyone, if anyone's familiar with that name from, from some time ago. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd heard that at one point, too, and I was a little surprised. Um, I, I only know them from wherever they're, they're in, the Netherlands, right? Netherlands, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So there was there was a UK like arm to the company, as it were, but I think it was independently owned. If that makes sense, it was just a there was a p- partnership there, if you like, I guess. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, uh, so you've been doing a lot of stuff in the Drupal space. Can you can you share how how Drupal's doing these days? I think I went to a went to my first DrupalCon two years ago. I think uh, so. I don't really know much about Drupal or like the the community and whatnot. Okay. Yeah, I've been doing Drupal for, uh, I think it's about 10 years at this point. Uh, I think I started off as a, as a hobbyist developer when I was still fixing PCs for a living. Uh, so I think that was about 2007, and I got my first full-time web developer role in about 2008, which was working uh, client-side for a, on a Drupal project. Um, yeah, so I've gone through quite a few major versions <laughs> of Drupal. Um yeah, and I think some of the changes we've had has been really interesting. So um, Drupal 8 was released uh, a couple of years ago at this point, uh, and there were some quite big changes uh, there. So with previous versions, we, as in the community, uh, had written all of the Drupal code ourselves, whereas Drupal 8 was quite different in that we were pulling in a lot of third-party dependencies. So a lot of Symfony components, uh, I guess primarily Symfony components, um, there's some Doctrine, there's some Symfony CMF routing, uh, some Zen framework stuff in there as well. So it's a real sort of mixture of third-party code in addition to the Drupal stuff, which is really interesting. Um, yeah, let's say I'm doing some Symfony stuff on my own, side, on my own time as well, and some of like projects I've been doing Symfony framework or, or putting in some components. So it's really nice not to have that big mental jump between <laughs> between day job and, and side projects because they're all sort of more or less fundamentally the same now. Um, I rewrote something on Symfony 4 recently and it's like it's just like a Drupal module essentially now in terms of how it's in terms of how it's structured. Like, you know, there's there's slight differences. Um but you know the concepts are the same. So I'm uh, I'm quite interested in how, how the adoption's gone. Because mm-hmm. I mean, um I haven't followed it for much, but when when Drupal took the decision to adopt Symfony, I was so I wasn't overly active, but I was active enough in the 
the symphony community to to know what was going on. And I understand there was a little bit of pushback from some people and there was, you know, a, a reasonable chunk of Drupal users were sort of planning to stick on Drupal 7 and possibly hard fork or whatever. Um, how, how has that sort of turned out a few years down the line? Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. There still is um, um, probably like a sort of small section of the community, or at least a section of the community, that are a little bit reluctant to take on some of these new things. Um, like say Composer maybe still being one, there's still a big movement towards adopting Composer. Um, Core is using Composer a lot for managing all those dependencies that I said. But for more of a sort of site builder perspective, if you wanted to add um, you know, admin menu module to your project, normally you'd either download like a tarball of, of that or you download it through the Drush shell utility. But um, Drupal 8 has been primarily using, or there's a push with it to use more Composer to manage your whole project. Um, so there's some people who are like, oh, that's maybe it's another thing to use, uh, to learn, and it's maybe raising the barrier to entry, um, arguably. Um, so there's still some of that there, I, th- I think. Um, there was a fork of sort of late Drupal 7 um, where they were sort of adding some of these Drupal 8 features into it. Um, it's called Backdrop. It's still still going. Uh, I don't know how much traction it has. Um, it is sort of a thing. Um, but it's quite interesting at the time. Um, I did follow that briefly and then actually went to work for the Drupal Association, so didn't really follow it after that point. Um, but I still see, you know, Drupal camps and things, people are running maybe a backdrop track or, or, or contributions thing on backdrop. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, was, I was all in for the for the symphony side and for the twig side and everything because, you know, that's what I've been, as I say, nice to not have to make that big jump between day job stuff and, and evening stuff. Yeah. Oh, well, it sounds like it's, but I guess it sounds like a, you probably had reasonable adoption or better adoption than uh, than some thought would would happen from because it, it was seemed like it was almost fifty fifty when I was. Uh... Yeah, I think the interesting thing then is as well, you know, we've been pulling in a lot of these third party components, but also contributing to the back for a lot of them, like Symphony CMF routing. I think it was a collaboration between Drupal and, and Symphony CMF team, and some parts of uh, CK editor for the WYSIWYG editor again refix changes in that and then push those upstream. So it's been like a real collaboration between multiple communities uh, and not just you know, all takings, we a lot of giving back as well. Um, yeah, I'd, ex- I'd expect nothing less from the Drupal community of, from what I've experienced of them anyway. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's been interesting to see like that's sort of extended to more than just a code level as well. So like we've adopted essentially the Symphony's branching release model essentially for Drupal 8. So um, we're doing semantic versioning for core, uh, and then six month minor releases for, for new features, which has been really interesting. Um, and then patch versions. So yeah, every six months, it's been a new version of Drupal eight which, uh, with new features because like we didn't have that in Drupal seven at all. Um, stuff in core was really static. So like new things like you know this media and layout builder and stuff have gone into Drupal eight seven, which is really interesting. Um, and then like Drupal nine is going to be. Sort of Drupal eight minus the deprecations, so very much you know, sort of simply two to three or three to four, uh, rather than a ground up rebuild like has been in previous versions. You need to rebuild everything. So uh, it's, yeah, it's been good to see you know the adoption happening on like a sort of community um, you know, non technical level as well as purely the code adoption. Yeah, I think I, I think I'd heard that before that each major version of Drupal was essentially a ground up rewrite. Yeah. Was that was that true for every single version? Yeah, so there there were some that were small and others. So I think five to six was pretty small. Um six to seven was pretty was 
um, some differences in the, in the database layer. But um, you know, I, I picked up a Drupal 7 project, uh, my first one for, for the agency I was going for at the time, uh, and managed to put that together based on what I knew from Drupal 6. Um, just having to make some sort of small changes, like ah, this thing returns back an array now rather than something else. So, um, yeah, whereas yeah, seven to eight obviously was a, was a big change because of all the symphony and introduction of YAML for configuration and, and all these sort of other things. But um, some parts of it are still quite Drupal 7 y, um, still sort of like altering f- building forms uh, or the form arrays are very similar. Um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to just moving eight to nine quite seamlessly. Um, and there's tools being built with the community right now to sort of check for um, such a Drupal 9 compatibility, uh, which is really good for me as a you know as a developer building project, but also you know as a as a module and a theme maintainer, I can know that my things are going to be compatible with Drupal 9 quite easily. Nice. How about Symphony CMF? That's something I haven't looked at in many many years. Is that like it, Drupal's using the the router, correct? A Symphony CMF router. Yeah, uh, I was looking at the composer JSON file in call earlier on just to make sure I was right with that. Yeah, it's a Symphony CMS, Symphony CMF routing. Um, it, was there. And, and so it's, a, it's the content management framework for the people who don't know the CMF acronym. Yeah, and I think that was very much a collaboration, I think, between the two um, sort of communities. Uh, between, yeah. Do you know much about the Symphony CMF community? Like, is that still a very active project? I, I don't know. I've not looked into it too much, actually. Um, I was discussing it with somebody quite recently, actually. I can't remember how that how that came about, but um, yeah, I think it's. I'm, I'm not sure how much of the you know, actual communities on CMF. I haven't really looked into it. But, uh, at one point, I was looking at it for potentially replacing the flat file backend for Sculpin with potentially integrating with Symfony CMF. Uh, that was way back in the day, uh, probably five or six years ago. <laughs> so uh, I, don't, I, I really don't know where it's been lately. And I, I knew that Drupal was using some parts of it, uh, mainly the router. I didn't know if that whole ecosystem was like growing or anything like that. It, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, have have you heard anything about out. the CMF project lately, Dave? Uh, no. Um, so I know um, Lucas and his company. What company is that in Switzerland? Leap, Leap. Lucas, yeah, Leap. Yep. I know they were quite big with it, weren't they? Um, mm-hmm. And I know um, there's at least one fairly big framework that's integrated with it. It might be one of the e-commerce ones, you know, um, like Cilius or something like that. Cilius, yeah, I think I think I'm sure Cilius like integrated with CMF to you know add some content management to the I don't know the products or whatever. I'd, yeah, uh, I've done no e-commerce in my entire life, so I don't <laughs> know nothing about it. Uh, but yeah, other than that, I've, I've not really heard a lot, so I don't know. Okay, yeah, I'm trying to think if I've seen it like on Symphony Casts or anything. Like I can't. I don't think I have. I know I've seen Drupal eight. Stuff they looked quite a while ago. Yeah, it was um, when I, I when I looked at it. I was looking at the I think it was the Doctrine ODM. So is that what it was? Oh, PHCR ODM. Um, very low level stuff at the time. There wasn't a full CMS in front of it that I had seen. So I guess Drupal would probably count at least partially uh, as that. Anyway, we, we don't have to talk about it a whole lot if none of us really <laughs> know where it is. But it, you you mentioned that as the router and it. I was like, ah, I haven't heard about that project in like three years. So I, yeah, (laughs) 
Yeah. So my, my, probably my biggest, um, work with Drupal probably has to do with Sculpin, uh, because I, one of the early, one of the earliest adopters was Drupal people. <laughs> uh, they, they, they came to Sculpin because it was a great way to start working with Twig without actually having to use a full Symfony application. So that was kind of cool. Like it, the, it sounds like the community is like full on adopted Twig and everyone's happy with it, right? Or, or is there still complications with Twig in Drupal land? Uh, yeah, I, I, so I did a talk at Drupal Camp North uh, up in Sunderland. This is 2015, come to my site. Um, and the, the talk was test drive twig with Scobin. <laughs> so I was one of the, I was one of those people. Um, <laughs> nice. yeah, so for that reason, you know, it's, nice. it's really nice just to set up, you know, really quickly, mm-hmm. um, both, you know, the definition of twig, but also Scobin is really close to Drupal in terms of content types, taxonomies, all sorts of little mini Drupal, uh, which, which is cool. Um, yeah, I think, and, and yeah, so, so Drupal 8 has been using Twig as its primary sort of templating um, since quite early on. And actually, I think it was Sensual Labs UK, slash Vika, who were one of the sort of main drivers to getting Twig into Drupal 8, if I believe rightly. Um, I'm pretty sure that, you know, uh, Richard Miller and uh, the guys from Vika, slash Sensual UK, uh, built the Sensual Labs UK site on Drupal 8 when it's still in development phase um and we're like doing like chasing head rebuilds every night and seeing what's still broke um yeah so it's been there it's the primary thing uh for, for template now i think the php template syntax is still supported but i don't think it's really used that much and yeah i think there's also a contrib project to put twig into like, add it on into drupal 7 um because again the engines are swappable not that they really i don't think i've seen it done on a project but i remember looking at using uh, I was looking at a project maybe 12, 18 months ago where I was like, this is really a Drupal 7 project because they you have know, commerce and it needs X and Y modules that just weren't there at the time. And then sort of looked and said, like, how can we build this in Drupal 7 now in a way that will make portage Drupal 8 easier? Uh, and looked at uh, adding Twig um, through, through a contrib thing. Which was cool. um, and yeah, I think that there's an addition to pulling Twig 2 into Drupal 8.8, I believe, 8.788, something like that. Um, so I think there's an optional toggle that we can uh, put in the newer version of Twig, which would be pretty awesome. Nice. Is, has anybody tried to do any other exotic templating languages like Blade or anything with Drupal? <laughs> Not that I'm aware of. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, I think it was mainly sort of PHP template was the original one that was episodes sort of 6 and 7, uh, which I've had a bit of a crash back into because I've been doing, uh, doing a talk at a WordCamp this weekend so I've been getting back into uh, WordPress templating so again lots of PHP tags inside uh, Markov which I haven't had to do for a little while um, yeah so I think that's been the main sort of that's been this sort of Drupal 7 6, 7 and then 8 went all to Twig uh, I don't know <laughs> it'd be pretty interesting to try it with Blade um, yeah, I, I, I pull in um, collections a lot through uh, like Titan's library. I, I pull collections in a lot to, to for, yeah, for into sort of custom modules, but I've not done anything on the theming side. Um, There's a big thing. I think it's pretty much like the Twig or like quote doubled. A lot of people want to do sort of React view front ends and then using Drupal 8 as like an API, essentially, uh, and writing a separate front end layer. So maybe this be more more sort of energy going into that than there have been to introducing sort of blade or something else. I, I honestly can't ever see myself looking past tweak. Um, to anything. I, I'm, I'm just, it does everything pretty much that I want it to do ever. Uh, it's nice. Cause yep. 
the other templating language I use is Jinja for uh, usually when I'm uh, writing Ansible stuff. So it's kind of like, you know, the fact that they're both almost identical. Uh, I can't really ever see myself using anything else. So even, you know, Blade, whatever they are, whatever the others are, I don't know what they are now. So Yeah, I'm the same. I, I write quite a lot of Ansible. <laughs> it's uh, like I've done some of it with Jekyll as well. Um, you know, and they're pretty much the same. Um one of my a couple of jobs ago, we did something with Python, and that was using uh, I can't remember the name of the framework. Come okay. back to me. But that was using sort of Ginger Two, and again, that's pretty much exactly the same Django Django framework. Um, you know, so again, we, there was the, that was quite interesting. So then we look at Drupal Eight and go, you know, these two are basically the same. So the the front end developers, there's not so much of a difference in terms of what they're going to write on Drupal versus Django, um, which is pretty cool. Uh, I recently had to work on some WordPress things. And uh, some of the newer WordPress, like uh, starter packages that are hyper modern, like Composer installs and all of that. Um, one of them had a theme package that all was based on Blade, so no more no more PHP stuff. So I, I know that Blade seems to be something that obviously Laravel people are super excited about. So if you get Laravel people who have to all of a sudden work on a WordPress project, things like that's great for them. Um, yeah. So that's why I threw a blade out there because <laughs> it seems to be infecting a lot of places. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, it's interesting to see them like, you know, I went to the PHP South coast um, a couple of years ago, did, did a talk there, but Drupal and saw the new stuff about Drupal 8 and Symphony, et cetera. And then somebody else uh, called Chris Sherry did a talk about um, sort of modern WordPress and that was sort of similar. I mean, it's like you use a composer for doing installs, and there's a, a separate um, project that's like a mirror that's composer compatible and everything. It's interesting to see, you know, a lot of the comparisons because, mm-hmm. like, this to this today is like a Drupal, unofficial Drupal composer template um, for building projects. It's interesting to see that sort of parallel um, come across between those two communities. So, yeah, I'm looking forward. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to a work camp in Bristol uh, next weekend. It's fun to learn. Some fun, some fun WordPress stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I recently went to uh, Roots.io to kind of like look at their whole ecosystem, and um, uh, they have a. I can't remember the name of it, but they have one of their secret projects that if you become one of their Patreon people, they give you access to it. So I, I need to give that a try. I, I they were my first uh, Patreon. Uh, targets or whatever what so would that make me a patron patron or yes, or are they the you patron? would be a patron okay yeah so i i guess i guess okay. um so what would that make them i don't know no okay. i don't think so <laughs> all right so I, I i'm a patron for the the roots project the first one I, are, are you the, i think dave you are, are you oliver am i my what have you've used patreon right yes yes yeah um I there's a couple of projects I uh, gave to PHP Unit for a while, and I still give to uh, is it Remy who makes the um, packages for Debian and Ubuntu? Yeah, I think so. Is it Remy? I, it oh. sounds it sounds familiar to me. Mm, it might not be, but uh, yeah. I think you all know the one. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Dan Carlin's uh, Hardcore History, best podcast ever. Uh, he asks for a, a book a show. That's his thing. They ask for a book a book per show. So I, th- I think that's what I give him, or maybe more. I don't know. It's worth more. So nice. Yeah, it seems like a cool way to go. I know that um, 
just recently, um, one of our past uh, guests, Frank DeJunga, DeJunga, <laughs> mm. I think I have it right. I think he just pulled his Patreon down. And I've seen a couple of other people do that as well because they weren't successful or weren't super useful. So it's, it's, it's interesting to see how some people seem to be successful with those sorts of things and other people not. And I haven't really figured out when is good. Like, like, how do you know if a project is going to be successful if you ask for donations? Does it have to do with the people involved, the project, the actual value to people? It's really hard to tell. Yeah. It was actually on Twitter, was it this week? Um, so the Doctrine guys, maybe, one of the Doctrine maintainers, mm-hmm. they were looking, sort of talking about donations. Yeah, Jonathan Wade. Like yeah. And they would space the conversation was then going, like, why then aren't people, are these corporates, like, why are they sort of sponsoring rather than people having to sort of donate money? which I thought was quite an interesting conversation. So obviously a lot of companies rely on that particular package or set of packages. Um, yeah, I've seen that conversation come around quite a few times in different different formats of things. I sort of feel like people, people are whatever their ecosystem is like. Um, I sort of feel like the Symphony ecosystem expects everything for free. And I'm, I'm being super generalized here, <laughs> so feel free to disagree. But I feel like, in general, the Symphony ecosystem and the things that it touches want things to be free. Certain other communities, like the Laravel community, for example, are more than happy to pay for stuff. Uh, they're happy to pay for Taylor's stuff. They're happy to pay for um, Laracas, all of these other things, where their, their environment is about making money as developers. So... The, nobody expects Taylor to give away Forge for free. So people pay for it and, and it's useful. Yeah. So you say that, but I remember seeing quite a few people talk about when they released Nova. Right. And there was, there was a, a quite a bit of pushback at that. I think people are like, why isn't this thing for free? Um, right. I, I don't, it's not cheap. It's not that expensive. I don't think either um, for a license. Yeah. But I think some people were thinking, you know, why are we building things that are there to make money rather than improving the framework? So, yeah, I think that's an interesting yeah. um, thing. So we don't really have it in Drupal at all. Uh, and a WordPress has some premium plugins and themes. Um, yeah, I don't see it. I call the Symphony. I see the Symphony casts um, from the tutorial side of things. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It, it's a difficult one for me, um, particularly with something like Patreon uh, or that kind of model where it's contributions and donations. It's, they're so small, you know. like. Um, if you want big companies to sponsor projects, then those big companies probably going to want a little bit of influence on what happens, you know? Um, and the other thing is like, if big companies want something or need something from something like doctrine or symphony, yeah. chances are they have the resources to put to themselves, you know, and it will happen. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, if, if, if there's this feature X that we're missing from doctrine and company wants it so badly that they pay the doctrine developers, enough to make a difference so enough to get those doctrine developers to actually develop the feature then they probably have resources themselves to be doing that kind of thing or paying somebody themselves to be doing that kind of thing um without the politics without does that make sense mm-hmm. so if if i wanted a feature for a doc I, we use doctrine at our work and if i wanted something that badly to be improved in doctrine or fixed in doctrine i'd just spend the time and fix it rather than trying to find a doctrine developer and bung them money in the hope that they might work on the thing that I want. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Because then you see, I saw recently, I think someone was just tweeting a picture and it was like some major issue on their, on, on their repository. It's like, oh, you should be doing this. And it was like four hours later, they were saying, oh, this project's obviously dead. Use mine instead. Right. So it's, um, you know, that's not the way open source works. So maybe it's less around, you know, it's adding new features and just generally sort of contributing to the maintenance more of the project and giving them the sort of the time to do it, maybe. I don't know. Um, yeah. I remember the, this conversation went on, but maybe you should offer them perks like, you know, so many hours, like a month on a Skype call or something that of access to give them some little um, sweetness, I guess, to, to try and do something. Not to dig out the thread. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see that. Um, and I mean, the, uh, pay, uh, Lara, Taylor does that with Laravel, doesn't he? I think so, yeah. Yeah, if you're one of his top sponsors, you get like our like office hours and stuff. And and I seem to recall, like I'm sure uh, Titan, one of the top sponsors, uh, Spatey, one of the top sponsors. But they're big companies making a lot of money. Like I don't make money because of Doctrine. Doctrine is a tool I use. Whereas Laravel for them is like, it's a massive enabler for their does that make sense? It's a bit different. They can churn out, they'll probably tell you that they could churn out four times as much work because of Laravel than they could with something else. That's not really how doctrine works for me. I don't know. It does, yeah. So I, yeah, it's interesting. Because that makes yeah. sense. I can't. So, um, something I was quite keen on doing in my last place, um, my last job was, um, you know, sort of we were sponsoring, um, so Drupal Association has sponsorship for sort of maintaining that organization. Um, but just in terms of more the code level, um, quite keen on just contributing time back to give so give people you know like a day um, you know with a, a couple of months for like a Friday but we also sat down as a development team and said right today we're not working on any client client work we're just going to you know work on some issues uh, and, and some of them are stuff that we found on on projects or modules that we maintain as as you know, sort of maintainers outside of work um, but you know from that we were able to sort of commit um, quite a few to um, core accessibility issues. Um, managed to pull to a couple of mo- uh, a module from you know seven to eight, uh, work on a few things. So even though we weren't giving you know money, uh, we were able to still contribute some time, some effort back into the project. So yeah, and that's how things these things work as well because they're they're things that are valuable to you or might be valuable to you. Um, like I say, I mean, I use Doctrine, and Jonathan said he'd be love to work on Doctrine full time. I honestly could not think of a single thing. If he, if I said, well, our company loves Doctrine, we're super rich. Here you go, Jonathan. We'll pay your salary to work on Doctrine full time. And he says, great. What do you want me to work on? I'd be like, yeah, yeah. I, I just don't know. Yeah, any security vulnerabilities when they come up? Yep, get them patched as quick as we can. That'd be great. Uh, otherwise, you know, it's just something that's there ticking along, doing what I need. So, yeah, yeah, we, and we were, I think, the only real like instance of this within Drupal specifically, uh, when we were moving towards Drupal 8. So, that took about five, five, maybe six years from the start of Drupal 8 being developed to being released. And there was a period of time where you know, money was spent to get core developers like, you know, together to do code sprints together. Um, but there were a couple of people, I believe, were sort of sponsored um, by sort of Acquia and Chapter 3 and the, the probably larger Drupal companies to you know, work on core and get through those sort of eight blocker issues. Um, yeah, I don't see it. Like some, um, Pfizer got quite a big development team. One of the previous companies, the blog of Pfizer, uh, they pay for some developer time to go to maintain these modules as well. It's, it's more the exception than the rule. Mm. So it sounds like, Jonathan Wage is on the market again. 
Yeah, that's right. He's uh, he's left open sky. Uh, I don't know anything more than that, but yeah, be interesting to see what he does. Mm-hmm. Very talented. <laughs> yeah, I've seen a few, few tweets like that from various people. Hey, I'm back on the job market. <laughs> so yeah, I'd assume it would be, you know, a bit, I guess people do it quite earlier in the year, don't they? Like after Christmas and say, oh, maybe we'll look for something else or, or whatever. But yeah, I've seen, I've seen a few lately. Yeah, no, I think just I think quite a lot of people chop and change in our industry, um, which is good. I think I think it's I, I see so many people like um, particularly in other industries who are sort of like afraid of applying for jobs and you know they just don't even know that what if I don't get an interview and like things like that. Um, whereas I think our industry is a little bit better in terms of people do make an effort to move when they think they should move or move when they think it could be more lucrative for them. Or, Stuff like that. Yeah, I remember um, a couple of jobs ago. I seem to remember some saying, uh, like my line manager saying, "Look, I get I've probably got you for maybe three years tops. <laughs> After that, you're probably going to want to move on to something else because that seems to be like you know the standard for developers or engineers at the time." So that was quite interesting. Yeah, and it's not sometimes for some companies, there's just not a lot, a lot you can do. You know, it's not like you can just make you can make an amazing atmosphere while you're there, make the work interesting. But people grow, and you know, and there are just different challenges at different companies. I think, um, and we see it more. We're really plugged into uh, social media plays a big part in seeing what other people are doing. Open source plays a big part in us seeing what other people are doing. It's putting us in touch with. Uh, like-minded people in our industry, you know, from all over the world. Uh, so we do get a good view of what the people are doing, which I think isn't always as uh, visible in other industries, certainly. Yeah, I guess meetups are like that as well, right? So, like, you know, going on a PHP Southwest or in Bristol, like we get 60 or 70 PHP developers in a room every month and someone talks about you know, something cool they've been doing or something they've worked on recently. So you know, I don't know how much that. Yeah, I don't. I don't see that in other. No, I've, I've also that. You know, the you know car manufacturers get together like once a year at a big annual conference or something. I, I get I, at least my, I assume most most other industries are more so proprietary in terms of what they do and, and not as keen to share. Whereas you know, in ours, we're yeah, look at this new. We're almost like quite willing to shout and tell people about these cool new things that we're doing. Yeah, I, I think so, and um, you do see other things. Like when I look in the area, it tends to be uh, they seem to be networking type meetups. You know, like there'll be like small business owners and stuff, and they'll have a meetup when it's almost like they're, they're doing similar kind of things, but they're not all necessarily in the same line of work. Uh, so they're networking to maybe meet people who can be a contact for their work. You know, because people and use because they use different from people from different industries to do whatever they're doing. But I don't think he's ever. I don't see many places that sort of share in the same way that we do. And not that we're special about it or anything. It just I think it's just the way we've learned and the way we've sort of like uh, developed. Yeah, I mean, I know there are people like mentors out there um, who work with you now, sort of like C level or, or MDs and that type of thing to sort of do business development mentors or something. Like I've seen things like that happening, but I don't know whether there's more. You know, as much of a community around it, it's more of a one-to-one thing. Um, obviously, we have mentoring as well, but we do have the, yeah, let's get 3,000 Drupal developers together once a year and go to Amsterdam for a conference yeah. or something as well. Yeah, cool. Awesome. So I think we're probably pretty close to our time here. Did you have anything else you wanted to talk about, Oliver, or anything else you wanted to mention? Or you, Dave? 
Um, yeah, I had something I was going to mention. Oliver, have you seen Avengers Endgame? No, not yet. The spoilers coming. Oh, so, we can't, so we can't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to bring it up because we haven't mentioned it on the show yet, Bo. Uh, I assume you've seen it, Bo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we saw it. Okay, well, we'll we, maybe we'll talk about it on the next uh, episode it's just me and you uh, okay how about something else how about game of thrones did you both watch game of thrones a little bit my wife's into game of thrones she's been binge watching all the seasons because <laughs> the new one that's been yeah all uh, i'm current as of an hour and a half ago yeah well i'm 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 raging about this season yeah i'm so fed up of it it's i'm, <laughs> I'm gonna keep watching it uh, i have to mm-hmm. uh but i, I really i'm just coming away from every episode full of rage i don't think i've been this angry about anything for years uh, <laughs> um, nice it's really disappointing for me um i was used to i just used to tease my brother a bit uh, because uh, when lost was on uh, i used to get together with a buddy of mine and my brother and we'd watch every sunday and every episode my brother would kick off and yeah he'd be so angry about it but he'd be the first one sat down next week ready to watch again uh, <laughs> that's i think i think i'm getting to that stage with game of thrones now um but yeah if if oliver hasn't seen it, and i won't spoil Listen. it with any details but yeah that's pretty much my sentiment you'll be able to track my sentiment over the next uh, couple of episodes depending on uh, what how quickly we get it compared to game of thrones nice did you watch the end of lost did i watch the end Yes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you watched it all the way through. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. nice. I mean, <laughs> Lost was brilliant for me. Uh, obviously, I, I think everybody was disappointed <laughs> with the end, really. Uh, but I mean, I actually said this to a group of friends last week. I think uh, Game of Thrones at the minute is making Lost's ending look amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm. I'm 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 actually starting to care more about the Game of Thrones books again. I'd kind of like forgotten about them. Uh, it feels like so long since I read them, so I was like, uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna dwell on it. But now I'm just kind of thinking, oh god, I hope those books come out because it's got to be better than this. Uh, so uh, we'll have to wait and see. Um, I'm not yeah. I'm not holding my breath about that. I've been seeing a lot of people talking about this season being filled with rage, and yeah, it would be good to talk about that sometime. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, we episode. could do maybe we could do a. We've got a couple of weeks left, right? Yep. I think there's two episodes left. Yeah. Well, let's mean you do a Game of Thrones episode so we can <laughs> full full spoiler version warning episode nice. of Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. Right then. Um, so, did, was there anything you wanted to add, Oliver? Anything you wanted to talk about? Um, anything to plug? No, I think one. Actually, one thing I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to. Um, Saying Tailwind CSS release, mm. like I know that's been um, uh, that's been a big push for Adams. I, I love Tailwind. I've used Tailwind a lot on quite a few projects, and um, I maintain this starting theme for Drupal, um, and that's what my WordCamp talk is about. Is about Tailwind. Um, so yeah, I've been seeing a lot of tweets from Adam. So I've updated this documentation page, and then and another tweet will come out. So I'm looking forward to, to to when that comes out. Yeah, I I feel like I feel like version one mm-hmm. hit beta five and was going to be released tomorrow. Yeah. Like two months ago. It seems I, like it's yeah. been a long time. I think it's imminent. Um, I'm holding off yeah. with our sort of full yeah. blown adoption until 1.0 comes out. Um, yeah. I've been, it's, it's nice actually um, watching. I, 
our so we have a, a style.css file which contains nearly all of our custom CSS and I've, as I've been slowly migrating a bit of tailwind, I've been watching the file size go down. It's lovely. Um, I think <laughs> we're about we're about seventy five percent the size of it that it was when we started. Um, you know, so we've sort of and that's including adding the utility. So I haven't actually included tailwind completely yet. What I do is I copy and paste bits of tailwind that I want to use right now into our okay. style sheet, if that makes sense, yeah. as a yeah. sort of partway adoption. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, I've done that in a couple of projects. I just need these four utilities, so I'm just going to copy and paste them and put them in the top of the file. Yeah. And that's fine. I, I've actually copied and pasted quite a lot now. It must probably get to the point where it's not worth doing that anymore, but uh, still it's been a good and nice sort of uh, steady yeah, way to adopt it. I, I, up, I upgraded bosimonson.com from early tailwind to whatever beta was like a month ago. Um, and it, it, the migration was actually really smooth. And the new configuration file allowed me to really easily kind of add the old names in a couple of places so that so I didn't have to go in and change every single place where I spelled gray differently. Oh, no, that's it. They've, they've, gone, <laughs> they've switched to the US version, haven't they? So, yeah, so yeah. I'm going to have that all over. And yeah. I'm going to really struggle with that going forward yeah i've considered i've considered writing a plugin for it so i've written a couple yeah. of little plugins now that you can include yeah i'm thinking about whether i should write tailwind uk plugin well would you even change how colors are spelled the, then yeah in the config yeah maybe yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i saw some i think i think that was someone's response on twitter to, to the change it was like oh don't tell me they're spelling it without the u either in colors uh quite sarcastically <laughs> But yeah, I, I've been using nice. I've been using Tailwind for quite a while since like the quite early sort of versions. Uh, and I was watching like one of the early rebuilds that Adam did. I think it's like Laravel.io or something. Mm-hmm. Or even even before that, I think when he did um, the Kytail videos, is that right? Maybe um, you know when he first sort of introduced this way of theming. Um, so yeah, it's interesting to see you know how much it's improved even since then. Um, yeah, I'm hopefully I think it's all just docs being updated now before it gets actually released. But yeah, looking forward to that. I think that's, that's yeah, hopefully pretty imminent. Nice, cool. Well, thank you for joining us today, Oliver. Yeah, thank you, Oliver. No problem. It's been great to be on. Thanks for uh, thanks for inviting me. Uh, it's been great fun. Sounds good. Let's call this one a wrap. You've been listening to that podcast with Bo and Dave. You can find Bo on Twitter and Google Plus at Bo Simonson and Dave on Twitter at Dave Development. You can subscribe to this podcast and review it on iTunes. If you'd like to review us but don't feel like we've earned five stars, email us so that we can talk about your issues. You can also subscribe to this podcast with RSS from our website, thatpodcast.io. From our website, you can also sign up for our newsletter to get super secret extra content from Bo and Dave sent directly to your inbox. Like the music? You can thank Gorillo for allowing us to sample the track Dust Kingdom for our intro and outro. You can find Dust Kingdom and other tracks by Grillo at grillo.bandcamp.com, spelled G-R-I-L-L-O. 